This podcast is sponsored by Movement for Modern Life. Welcome back to A Calmer Life. I'm Sarah Orme. Kat Farrance was a busy lawyer before a car accident forced her to slow down and changed her outlook on life. In this episode, she reveals how yoga helped her to recover and gave her the tools to become more resilient. We'll be talking about how we can use yoga to ease stress and find balance in our own lives, how to fit yoga into your daily routine and much more. On with the show. I think it would be good to start by talking about what your life was like before the accident. Mm. So can you tell us what you were doing before, what your lifestyle was like? Yeah, so... um... Basically, the, the, I used to be a lawyer. I used to be a lawyer working in the city, and um, I always loved yoga. So I would practice, and I um, I practiced since I was eighteen when I first went to India. So it was definitely something that saw me through, and it was something that I did mostly as a sort of very physical practice. But um, yeah, my life as a lawyer was, I guess, frenetic. And I would spend a good portion of the day, I didn't enjoy my job. So I used to spend a good portion of my day planning how I was going to get to yoga class in the evening. And I'd always race across town, I'd cycle across town, um, see if I could get to my 7.30. And I would normally miss it and it was the most stressful thing because I was sort of spending the day trying to fit everything in and trying to make sure that I got this yoga which was the thing that you know totally made everything make sense and then I never managed to get it or I ended up in this sort of sweaty heap when I arrived (laughs) at the studio which was more stressful than the whole day itself to be honest. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a good frame of mind to be in when you start a yoga class. You'd think you'd want to be nice and chilled out and and quite mindful about it. Yeah, it was funny. But, and I'm sure that resonates for most people. It's like trying to get to class is hard and you're racing and everyone's busy and juggling and in the city and you're thinking, come on, traffic, move on. And, and then you arrive on your mat and you're just an utter jangle of nerves. So you're absolutely right. It's totally the wrong frame of mind to start up. So back then, did you have a very poor work-life balance or yeah um I I, you know I I did always try to get to yoga but um it was you know I I worked hard I worked hard in the city and so you know it was um it was a funny life because it was like I was mostly living for holidays so I was mostly not present with myself or with the work that I was doing because I didn't really enjoy it. And because, um, yeah, it's just this thing of always like, what are you doing this weekend? What are you doing on holiday? Where are you going to go? And everything was all about planning for the future and some kind of amazing beach. And it had to be some crazy, adventurous or um, luxurious holiday because life was pretty bad in the moment. It just wasn't, I I just don't think I was there. I think I was sort of absent for a decade or so of my life. Yeah. And and then, of course, you had your 
accident. So you happy to tell us about that? Yeah. So, uh, well, there are a couple of things that happened. Yeah, I had my um, uh, really nasty car crash. And it was the car crash that basically... um, it made me reevaluate yoga and my whole life. So I couldn't walk for ages afterwards. I was immobile. And all that time I was thinking, I just want to get to yoga class. And that's crazy because it was like for me a sort of thing that made me feel better. But I hadn't quite worked out that yoga was about being right there where we are. So I think it was when I was starting to recover and I was, I, I'd broken a lot of ribs and fractured vertebra in my spine and punctured lung and things like that. So it was all things to do with my breathing that wasn't working very well. And so, um, yeah, for me, it was when I started to learn how to rebreathe, that was where I started to sort of really um, realize what yoga was and the healing powers of yoga and that yoga wasn't about this sort of conquest of an asana of a posture, which is kind of what I had thought it had been for about a decade or so while sort of going in these quite fancy London yoga studios where, you know, it's all about kind of making shapes. And then I sort of realized, ah, actually, it's a practice where I can learn to be as I am, even though I was completely broken. And it was very liberating and quite remarkable. And I think it really helped with my healing because I started to learn how to breathe. And it was that aspect of yoga that I sort of started to really get into. Um, But then it wasn't until I had, um, it was a year after that. So I was just about recovering. And um, my husband left me out of the blue. And that that was when I really learned sort of what the healing powers of yoga was, because obviously, you know, I was in a total mess. And um, that's just kind of how it is when one of those things happen. But then I sort of very gingerly, tentatively started to step back on the mat again. Um, And it was just utterly transformative. It's like, you know, all the tears and all of the upset and all of my sort of broken tissues from the accident combined with the, yeah, the broken spirit, I suppose. And um, I think that yoga just very, it, it taught me how to very gently and slowly heal myself. And that's when I sort of started to realize the real healing powers of yoga and that it wasn't this sort of um, frenetic thing to just keep you dashing around and doing the next posture and things like that. So I really started to learn what it was. And that's when I um, I gave up my, my job as a lawyer and I was like, right, no, I need to really, I, re- I need to really share what this practice is. And I really need to stop people dashing around and, <laughs> and not seeing what it's all about. Yeah, I think it's really interesting the way you've described basically the two different ways that it helped you. So there was obviously the physical side recovering from your accident. But then it sounds as though it was quite therapeutic as well. So did it change your outlook and the way you thought? Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think what it did is that it really gave me a strong sense of acceptance, I suppose, Um, which sounds terrible because in this culture, we're always like trying to be better or um, strive or self-improve. But for me, it was a real level of, ah, these things have happened. Nothing is going to change that that thing has happened. And how is it that I can, you know, I have a new body now and I have a new life now. How is it that I can change with that, not fight against it, not look for something that I'm not already? I think that's sort of what it what it taught me. And the funny thing is, is that whilst I was in that process of discovering that basically I was already whole, even though I'd never been more broken in a way, um, that was when I gave up my job and started and my life really did transform. Because I, I think at that stage as well, I'd realized like, the thing that had stopped me from wanting to change my career that I really didn't like was a fear of failure and a fear of the unknown and a wanting to be safe and do a job which was, you know, well-known, well-respected. You get decent money for all the rest of these things. And why would I, you know, lose all of those very concrete, solid, safe things to plunge into the unknown and start up your own venture and, um, you know, to a completely uncertain life. And to an extent, you have to be mad to do it. But then you also have to be at a stage where you realize, well, there's now nothing to lose. I'm already, you know, I'm, I'm broken and that's absolutely fine. And it's absolutely perfect to be broken sometimes. And I think that's the thing about, um, you know, in our sort of cultural conversations about illness and wellness and mental health, it's about this search for being happy and a search for um, being well. Well, you know what? Sometimes we're not well. Sometimes our bodies fail us. We're all going to die. All of our life is changing. Our cells die and change and replenish every moment. So for me, it was like a seeing that every moment is a moment of potential transformation. And you never know when that transformation is going to stop because we don't know how long we have. Yeah, I think transformation is quite, it's such a nice positive word for it as well, because I know for some people, massive change in your life can be really unsettling. So how would you use yoga to cope with those sorts of feelings, big transitions, big changes? Um, I think it's because yoga is just, it's this moving, breathing practice. And so I think it enables us to just move and breathe through the present. And how I do it is, well, I suppose it depends how I feel on that moment. I'm very much somebody who I've become sort of very lucky in being able to discern um, and find out what kind of practice I need for that time. Like I used to go to the 7.30 class on a Monday because it was convenient. Like that was the class. But 7.30 on a Monday, I, you know, sometimes I was having my period. Sometimes I was PMT, you know, all the different things that come up in life. But still that 7.30 class was the one I went to um, because that was the one. Whereas now I'm very, very lucky. I, I um, check in. Like every morning I check in, how do I feel? What practice do I need? What practice do I need in my body, in my mind? Like, do I need some movement? Do I need something more grounding? Do I need some stabilizing? Do I need something like Qigong that sort of um, 
it's it's quite a it's a movement practice, but it's kind of a more grounded, gentle experience. So I need something a bit more subtle. Um, and then for the different times of the month, I'll always sort of check in. Well, how am I feeling emotionally? How am I feeling physically? What kind of you know? Do I am I feeling lazy? Do I feel like I need to be a bit woken up? Wake up now. Um, or do I need something really restful? So I think that's the really nice thing now is that I'm very accepting and a bit more sensitive of where my body and mind is right now as to where I want to move into as well. Because it's like, okay, I get to, you know, we get to kind of choose how we are as well. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, it sounds as though you have become really in tune with your body and, and how you feel. Because I think when you were saying about getting up on a Monday morning and doing Monday morning <laughs> class, I was thinking, yes, you need quite a lot of self-discipline to do that. <laughs> I mean, if you're like me and you're not a big fan of Mondays, then I think I would find that really hard. In fact, I used to go to a Monday night yoga class mm. and it was not... <laughs> It was not ideal. No. I think it didn't help that it was next to the gym and people were dropping weights all the time. Yeah. Not ideal. Not ideal. <laughs> but how has your practice changed? Do you fit it differently into your day now? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I've become a lot more adaptable, a lot more flexible in sort of every way now. Because, I mean, I work from home and I love just doing nuggets of it, bits of it. I might do, you know, 10 minutes in the morning because that's kind of a nice way to start structuring the day. But I often do 20 minutes, half an hour in the daytime just to move, move stuff around. And like when I get that sort of afternoon slump, you know, that sort of four o'clock vibe where you would want the chocolate, I've taken to doing a yoga nidra at that time, which is pretty revolutionary. Um, I love, do you know yoga nidra, Sarah? It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I do. I know, I know a lot of people in particular like to use it at bedtime. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it helps you nod off, doesn't it? It absolutely does. It absolutely does. And it's that sort of halfway between sleep and awake. So um, I really like it because it's very, very restful, very relaxing. And after, after I feel very replenished and a lot more creative as well, because a lot of my what I do in my work is um, creative. I need to be thinking of different things and ideas all the time. And, you know, if I'm doing the same thing all the time and my brain isn't resting, then um, that's not... So, yeah, yoga nidra. And then what I love, my favorite, favorite thing, is getting into my PJs, get a big cup of chamomile, and then do a restorative class and then straight to bed. Like, that is just heaven to me. <laughs> that sounds really nice. I just want to go do that now. <laughs> no, it is probably the most nourishing, supporting thing that you could ever do. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I guess we're going through quite a stressful time right now. I think we were having a chat before mm. this about how we were actually meant to record this last year. And <laughs> due to the pandemic, it just didn't happen. And obviously a lot of people, they've had a lot of personal changes over the last year. Has it changed your outlook on yoga and how and how do you think it can help people to cope with the kind of changes we've seen in our lifestyle? Yeah, I think um, I've seen and heard a lot of stories about how, you know, obviously I'm really glad that I've set up Movement for Modern Life because it is, it's been an amazing tool. So um, we're now, we've partnered with the NHS and um, Movement for Modern Life is now available to all NHS staff, which is so cool. Um, 
And what I've seen is that it's provided a tool in a toolbox for people. So it's not only, the thing that I love is that it's not only the fancy shapes, it's not only the people who you'd expect to go to a yoga studio, you know, who are mostly those sort of privileged, white, young, bendy people who are, you know, everyone needs yoga, but it's lovely seeing it go out to a bigger, broader demographic of people who are especially stressed and people who are really, you know, tidying us all over. So, um, yeah, I've loved to see how the breath work has really helped people, how people are grabbing that like 10 minutes of breathing in the day to really, really help. Um, and the little things, I'm, that's what I'm struck by is it's the little things. It's the 10 minute movement break. It's the, you know, people who are office bound, just being able to slowly move your neck, move your wrists, take a breath and then go back to it because that makes such a difference, that sort of sacred pause. And yeah, I've really, really found that movement for modern life has helped. And our, it's just lovely to know that our teachers who are really blooming good are able to be out there and um and changing pe the people's lives who need it the most um and yeah in terms of sort of getting through the pandemic and all of us adjusting our lives I think that there's no greater tool than yoga for helping us to transform as in being flexible being strong to whatever but being um sensitive to whatever's going on it's not a sort of um, dulling down. It's not a dull, they, oh, we'll just power through and carry on. It's a sensitivity. Oh, what needs to change now? How is life different? How can I um, be a little bit more discerning? How can I live a life more skillfully with more care, with more concern for others? How can I care for other people in the community? And I think that for me is what the yoga practice is as much as sort of breathing or making shapes. Have you noticed any changes in the kind of classes that people are interested in? So are people going more for certain types of classes or certain lengths? Yeah, I think the, the breath work is the most popular thing right now. Um, I think people are really discovering that. Uh, shorter classes, I think people, because everybody's at home and has little nuggets of time. Like nobody has an hour anymore to do before work because it's like, what is the work? Everyone works 24 seven. They're all at their computer all the time. So it's like little nuggets of time is what I found to have been very, very useful. And we did a small steps course and that was very popular because I think it's that thing of just doing, taking it easy, doing the things that we can do um, and our yin yoga has also been very popular. Um, again, it's a more, a more restful practice, which um, you use gravity and there's long holds. And I think right now we all need to sort of pause, hold, relax, release, because, you know, it's, it, it's seriously jangling on the nerves, this pandemic stuff. It's, it's really <laughs> hard. <laughs> Yeah, I think there is a thing of the pandemic as well as that, you know, you're trying to do in some ways what you did before, but you're doing it in such a strange mm -hmm. way. And of course, there's always the background worry of the pandemic hanging over you as mm. well. So it, I find it really intriguing, actually, that people are choosing like the shorter classes, because mm. with all this going on, 
how can you concentrate? It seems like that is actually a much better option to go for something shorter that's actually a bit more manageable. I think that's exactly right. I think it's because there's such a, you know, an overload of the news stories and the worry about the future. Um, We just don't have that attention span, the possibility to do it for a longer time. And the practicalities, the mums with the kids at home, I mean, goodness, I think the world is pretty crazy out there. So getting snippets of time, but what I really love about the snippets of movement and the micro moves is that actually I think it makes for a stronger practice than going once a week for a 90-minute or you know, 60-minute class at the gym because it makes it really part of our life and it makes it a lived practice and a lived experience and something that's really incorporated, something that, you know, can really brighten brighten our day from moment to moment. Yeah, I, I, th- I think, have you noticed people doing it with their kids as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's been a lot of um, people doing it with their partners, with their kids, and and just sort of integrating the whole family. I think, again, maybe people were practicing in workplaces sometimes, and now, you know, their, their dogs are getting involved. And I really like that because, to me, yoga is about connection, and it's about connection with ourselves, with our body, mind, breath, but also our connection with our real lives and with each other. And it's not about this kind of fancy sort of getting a New York loft apartment overlooking, you know, the kind of things that you see on Instagram with a crazy pose. It's about connecting to our real life, our messy lives, our kids and their stuff. And, you know, the the real sort of proper ups and downs and messiness of the whole of our existence. I think for me, if yoga can integrate that and integrate our sort of real whole selves as part of that, then um, then our job is done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as we've mentioned, everybody's got kind of quite chaotic lives right now. Maybe for a lot of people, their work home life has been blurred a little bit. Mm. What are any things that you would recommend just to like quickly integrate yoga into your day? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm all about the integration. So it's like breathing, I think is the most important thing that you can do is taking mindful, conscious breaths. Um, especially if you're at your computer or that you're in the middle of a situation that's tricky. I think learning a breath pattern that really works for you and learning it in a, you know, in a, in a calm space so that then you can replicate that calmness in, you know, when you really need it, that's like a firefighting ninja tool. (laughs) I think it's really important. And I think the movement practices are important because I sort of talk about it as if they're not, but they are because we store so many, um, so much tension, so many issues in our tissues and, you know, we can release our shoulders and it really does make ourselves feel, you know, we feel better, we feel stronger. And I think that thing of, um, strengthening ourselves is important at this time where, again, as you say, there's a lack of boundaries. There's a lack of boundaries with everything, like the kids are everywhere, the life is everywhere, and we never know where, you know, when we're going to be released. So having that sort of sense of inner discipline and internal sense of strength, um, which we can get from a physical practice as well, I think is very important because that inner strength, I think, then can translate to the outer strength and the discipline. And that it's that discipline, I think, that helps to see us through these times, but also helps us to be adaptive and resilient, because a lot of people obviously have had to change their 
change what they do in a radical way. Um, you know, this pandemic sent life upside down for so many folks. Yeah, I think it's interesting you're talking about resilience. Do you find that since you've been in, more into yoga, it has helped you to cope more when things go wrong? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be able to, there'd be no way I'd be able to cope with life without it. It's, um, it would be a crazy thought. Yeah, I'm quite an anxious person. I'm quite a sort of, yeah, I'm, I'm tense. And I think yoga is the thing that's given me that resilience to know that in a way there is no failure like where we are at the moment is the perfect place and once we really truly know that in ourselves then we are stronger to go out in the world and to make the changes that need to be changed because we know that there's nothing to lose like really now is the only time that there is and I think that yoga does give us that flexibility it gives us the sensitivity to know what's going on it gives us the the strength the inner strength the outer strength um yeah it's an amazing it's an amazing yeah. skill set and tools kit to have it just sounds like a whole of life philosophy that you can <laughs> yeah it, it does everything it, it really does yeah and um it is a whole of yeah it absolutely because for me my yoga off the mat is way more important than the stuff that I do on the mat. I think, you know, when you see the people who are kind of making the shapes and then they go off the mat and they're shouting at people and they're sort of not very open or tolerant or kind humans. And you're like, that's not yoga. You've just done a workout. You're not a yogi. Like the yogis are the people who are, you know, we're open-heartedly trying our best. I think that's that's all we can do is sort of trying to be kinder and live a more conscious life and more connected life with ourselves and each other. Yeah, and I think certainly with a pandemic on, we do all need to be a bit kinder to other people and to ourselves as well, mm. definitely. Yeah, and you never know what other people are going through. And most of the time, we don't even know what we're, we're going through ourselves as well. And I think just having that sort of softness, and I think often that softness people... Um, equates to a sense of um, softness in life, of not being, um, you know, successful, of hard and go-getting. But actually, I think that ability to be really open and vulnerable with what is, is actually way tougher than being a sort of um, Donald Trump-type character and going, going on through there and blustering your way to the top. I think that's actually the um, soft way out. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's a yogi, is he? No. No, he didn't get the memo. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to go back a little bit, actually, and talk about how you actually started Movement for Modern Life. So was there a day one day when you woke up and you're just like, I'm going to start a yoga business? Or was it like a gradual realisation? I think that it was a lot of, it was like a perfect storm because all of the things that had happened to me, so I'd had a car crash, I'd had my husband leave me, so I'd had sort of my world turned upside down. And then I remember so clearly I was 35 and sitting in the office as a lawyer and I was thinking, okay, retirement age is 70, which means I'm halfway through. Best case scenario is I get the corner seat. Wow. <laughs> and that's like, um, I was just like, that, uh, what am I doing? I'm sleepwalking in life. There is no way that that is going to ever be success for me, like being that person who is in the window office. So I thought, okay, that's crazy. What is it that, what is my dharma? What is it that I need to be doing? And 
it was clear because yoga had been so important to me. It has healed me. And it was clear that I needed to do something in yoga. And then another perfect storm happened, which is, and it sounds awful, but um, my dog was dying of cancer. So I went to um, live in the countryside with her. And then I was like, okay, where are my yoga classes? Looked around and there's like, I was just in the middle of the countryside. There's nothing there. So I was like, called my teachers up and I said, right, will you do some videos for me? I need to do some yoga videos. And then I was like, oh, okay, I get it. This is what the universe wants me to do. I'm going to put yoga videos on a website for other people to see. And for me, it was the fact that I needed the really good teachers. I needed the teachers who had taught me um, you know, throughout my decades of practice because I saw that um, it was eight years ago, so there's much less stuff online then. But I saw that the teachers who were online were the ones who were really good at marketing. They weren't necessarily the ones who were um, really living their yoga practice. And as I say, for me, the yoga philosophy is the most important thing. And if if teachers aren't really living their yoga, then I'm not interested in them as a yoga, you know, they can't be my, a yoga teacher to me. So that's why I wanted um, I wanted to get the teachers who are really quietly brilliant to share what they're doing. And I didn't necessarily think of it as a business. I just thought of it sort of selfishly, like, oh, I want these yoga classes. And then I thought, I bet there's other people who do too. And then I thought, oh, I think it should be a subscription. At the time, people were like, no, people are never going to subscribe for something on the internet. <laughs> so it wasn't a sort of business brain. And I never got you know, I didn't get the kind of funding and do all the things that you're meant to do growing this business thing. I just did it very organically. Like it's just, oh, I fancy doing this. And then the teacher spread the word and then other people who enjoyed it started talking about it. Um, so it was all very sort of organic and it's sustainable. It's this sort of very um, down to earth grassroots little movement that we've got going on. Yeah, I think grassroots movement is just a really nice way of putting it as well. Because I think one of the big benefits of like the changes in technology and the culture that we have now is that it does make things like yoga classes like this much more accessible. So, it's, you know, say if you've got a hectic life or you live in the middle of nowhere or, you know, for whatever reason you can't get to a class, it's like, well, now you can. Yeah. I think that's such a great change. Yeah, I do. I really love it. And it brought so many unexpected surprises to me, like I say, of the um, ability to really check in with our bodies to become a bit more discerning. Um, because, again, if you're just sort of going to the convenient class, teaching, the, learning the thing that the teacher wants to teach you, you're not necessarily doing the thing that's right for you in that moment. Um, so yeah, I think there are so many benefits to home practice and being able to really integrate it as part of your life, as opposed to going out to a studio to do yoga. I mean, that's crazy. We should be doing yoga every moment. We're living yoga. <laughs> that's a really lovely philosophy to have. And it's like you're saying about classes not necessarily being right for you. It's like, I know I've certainly been in classes and the instructors come over and just go on that's wrong. Yeah. And and then you feel kind of a bit defensive. You're like, oh, well, I'm, I'm trying. Yeah. So I think there is that also, if you're doing it at home, it's a bit more safe in a way. It feels like you there's no judgment. So I think that's quite a positive thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really freeing um, not having to worry about what anybody else might think of you. 
what you look like. It's really freeing not having to buy those bloody outfits, you know, those really <laughs> ridiculous, expensive, stretchy things. You're like, oh, my God. I, I just, you know, for me, it's all about being comfortable as I am, being in my PJs, being in my old tatty clothes, being me is not about sort of looking a certain way. And it's so, for me, antithetical to what it is that I'm trying to do on the mat, which is sort of look deeply inwards. Um, and how can you, it's hard to do that if you're sort of in a space where there's people looking over their shoulders at you and sort of judging your outfit. Um, and I think, it, you know, there are loads of amazing, we should say yoga studio spaces and places where people go, which aren't like that. So, you know, I think there is that, but there's nothing as easy and non-judgmental as kind of being at home with yourself. And um, I also love the fact that you have to, and I keep bringing up the discipline word, but I love the fact that you have to have the discipline because lots of people are like, I can't do home yoga because you need discipline and I need to have a teacher tell me what to do. But I think as a life skill, being able to trust yourself that I'm going to do the thing right now that I need is a really great skill. And that's that kind of skill that's going to build up our resilience. It's going to build up our strength because we know that yeah, we can do, we can be the kind of person who spends seven minutes on a yoga mat. It's not a biggie. Like it's just going to make us feel better. So why wouldn't we do it? <laughs> yeah. Do you think a lot of people will keep yoga as a part of their lives after things are, I'm not going to say go back to normal, are more normal than they are now? Yeah, I think, I think life has changed. I think life has changed for a lot of people. And I think a lot of us have discovered different ways of doing things. And um, yeah, definitely from what I hear from our movers is that this is a thing which they're now going to incorporate into their lives. Because I think once you kind of taste it and then you go through a few days, say, or a week or so where you don't have it, you're like, why would I not do that thing that makes me feel great? So, yeah, I think that it really will change a lot of people's lives. And I also, as we said, I hope people do go back to the studios because there are so many, you know, wonderful businesses out there who are really struggling and they really, it's really good for people to go to the studios. And I think that doing yoga online is a great addition to it. You go to your class when you can, and then you practice what you really need to be working on at home. How have your community, you've got a community of yogis, how have they pulled together during the pandemic? Mm. So I found it a bit surprising um, because at the beginning of the pandemic, so we've been going for six years before the pandemic started. And you know, we have a nice community of people who are, we've got a closed group where people are very supportive. It's very inclusive. And, you know, folks ask questions of the teachers and the teachers are always right there. And, and it's really a lovely group. But during the pandemic, I think because people were so, you know, we're all feeling isolated, frankly. We're all feeling alone. Um, what's really surprised me is how we have all pulled together and especially we have now live events and retreats. 
But that feeling continues and carries on within the group. And it just feels incredibly nourishing and supportive. And I think that, especially in the yoga space, if, um, you know, if you're on social media at all, you might see that the yoga community can be a little bit like, oh, light and love and, you know, glossing things over and pretend it's all not going on. And, oh, all we need to do is take some deep breaths and then we'll be fine. Well, you know what? I think the reality is, is all will not be fine. There are people who really are suffering and struggling. And the lovely thing in the community has been is seeing how real people's lives are deeply impacted. They've changed often, you know, for the worse, irrevocably. You know, they're real suffering. But everybody has very much um, rallied together and we're very supportive of each other. And of course, we can't change the suffering and the awful things that are happening, but we can really be there for each other and listen and understand. And I think being able to support each other through these times has been, it's been really meaningful. And it's been very special because I think that, you know, you do often in a good studio get that lovely vibe of connection and connecting to like-minded souls. Um, and I think that this has given us the opportunity to really replicate that and almost feel it more because we're right there with each other in each other's homes so right at the front line where all the things are going on, all the anxieties, the worries, the frustrations, you know, we're not just going to love and light gloss it all over like it's not happening. This isn't rainbow land. This is real. And it's been really great to be able to be part of that and support people through it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think there has been a lot of like, I know there's always a lot of negativity around social media and online communities. Um you know, with trolling and, and that kind of thing. But I think there is actually, there can be real positives as well. And it's really nice, actually, to see that coming out in your group. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it is being able to focus on the po positive whilst always recognising the shadow side, recognising the negative. Yeah, I think it's really, really important to be able to help each other through their realities of this. So I would like to ask you now a bit more for you to tell us a bit more about Movement for Modern Life, what you do and what kind of services and mm. facilities people can access through you. Oh, great. Yeah. So we, we've been called the Netflix of yoga. I would think it was Vogue who called us that. That's kind of a neat way of summing up what it is. So we've got now 1,400 classes. So loads of different classes and they're all in yoga, meditation, different mindful movement practices that incorporate things from Pilates to bar even. Um, also mindfulness, somatic movement, um, all the sort of different, I always sort of think of them as little tools that we can put in our toolbox to make us feel healthier and happier. Um, so we've got all these classes and the thing that really binds it together is that we we have the world-class teachers, we do have the best teachers that there are I must say we're very very lucky um, and the classes are from five minutes to 90 minutes long um, our 20 30 minute classes are always super popular because people can fit them into their days very easily and in terms of the practices I say they're really various and in terms of the yoga we've got 
vinyasa yoga, which is sort of a lot of movement, to quite still restorative yoga, yoga nidra, which I find really important and is very special to me. And we also have challenges that we run. People can take them at any time, but we also will do them all together on the movers group because we've got a nice active community. So they will have different different um, challenges going on at the moment. There's a bar challenge for people to discover different bar moves, which is really tough. <laughs> That's what I've... Is that, is that bar as in ballet? <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's a really interesting, great and fun workout with the teacher that we've got because it just makes you feel so positive and you sort of just move and shake it all off. And then to do something like the breathwork challenge at the end of that is really great. So the breathwork challenge is with our amazing teacher, Dan Pepiat. And what it is, is you basically discover how different forms of breathwork can really change how you feel. So it's not just discovering, oh, this is yoga breath. It's discovering loads of different types of breathing and the and then being very reflective about the way that you feel during after that so that you can again you can decide which classes you want to carry on with and do regularly and um, which breathwork is for you and which isn't and different um breathwork makes you feel so different for different times of day so if you're feeling anxious you might want to um extend your exhale different things like that so yeah we've got the breathwork challenges and then we do our really popular we have a um online retreats whereby we all get together for the weekend and those are live um, live offerings and they are really, really special. And we started doing them in COVID times um, because we were all stuck at home and alone and we wanted to do things with each other. And it's really beautiful. It, again, it's like the words I just use for that are nourishing and supportive because we're very much in it together as a community and the practices we do are never cheer-led it's never like come on drop another chaturanga it's like you know do the thing that's going to support you right now and we have lots of different people with different abilities disabilities different kinds of bodies from different walks of life and that's what I really like about it there's loads of difference and um yeah and diversity on the site in every way and the other thing that we're coming up with right now which i'm excited about is the menopause course and it's for people who are some people who are not yet at menopause and the people who are going through it but you'd be so surprised at the diversity of yoga practices that can help at that stage in life. And it's like we've got a women's well-being course, which is for different stages of our cycle, because yoga can really impact how we feel. And when our hormones are fluctuating, be it because, you know, we're on our period or because we're now, you know, during menopause, um, it's really useful to have yoga as a tool to be able to see us through the symptoms that we will suffer from. So I love to see it as a sort of well-being kit <laughs> to give to people. So yeah, it's really, it's a diverse offering and it's subscriptions and the courses are all available as part of the subscription. Um, and um, yeah, there's a free 14-day free trial. Give it a go. Don't lose anything. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's what I'll be doing after this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Do. 
So do you have new stuff that you're adding all the time then? Yeah, that's right. So we have three new classes we release every week, just in case 1,400 isn't enough. And we also have plenty of audio classes as well. And we have blogs so you can find out about how to deepen your practice, find out different ways and different things that we might be able to do to extend our practice both on and off the mat. And also we have um, sustainability for me is a very key thing. And I talk about sustainability both in terms of um, obviously environmental sustainability, but also sustainability of practice because I'm somebody, I've practiced now for 26 years and I've seen a lot of changes and a lot of changes in the things that are useful, like yoga asana and yoga classes, but also how to keep a practice that is sustainable through the years because it might well be that the practice that we do in our 40s 50s isn't the same as the one we did in our 20s and it could well be that we're able to find a practice as we go through the decades that is really supportive of how we want to be and how we will be in 10 years time so it's not like a practice for how we think we were or how we I, you know, I was like this when I was 20, so I'm going to do it now. Like, no, it's really respecting our bodies for right where they are and giving our bodies the nourishment so that in 10 years' time, we'll be cruising into those decades. We're not going to be like slamming in there and <laughs> In, in a mess of hot flushes, we're going to be able to have the tools to really see ourselves through and be supportive of ourselves. Yeah, I mean, it's great that you've got all these exercises for different phases of your life mm. as well, because you can't expect that you're going to be able to maybe do the same things at 20 as you could, you know, no. when you're when you're 50 or 60. Although having said that, I did used to go to a yoga class, which was largely over 70s, and they were much better than me. <laughs> well, it just shows this whole idea of progress. It's not, it's not a thing. <laughs> yeah, it really isn't. Um, I think we should also mention that you also have a podcast as well. Can you tell us oh, about your podcast? Yeah, thank you. That's nice. Yeah, it, it's the Champions of Change. We're on a break at the moment. But it's basically, I get the joy of interviewing people who I find inspiring and the people who I find inspire me to change in the world. So like I said, yoga is for me a transformative tool. And it's a tool for seeing change and being change. And often I'll interview teachers. So the teachers who I'm finding are really impacting on me, but also interview nutritionists and people who are do, just doing really interesting things with their lives in terms of sustainability. Permaculture is something I've discovered, um, which is a way of seeing how we relate to the world and the land. And I find it really an interesting sort of voyage of discovery that I hope people will sort of come on with me because you never quite know where we're going to end up. <laughs> yeah. So do you have any particular favourite episodes that you'd like to recommend? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, obviously no favourites. But um, <laughs> you know one I really love is one I'm interviewing my mum. Because, Your mum? Yeah, because a lot of people will be like, oh, I'm too old to take up yoga. And my mum took up yoga age 71. <laughs> wow. And she is now 80. And it has changed her entire life. And what I love about it is that she's not a yogi. 
She's not the kind of person who you'd ever think would do yoga. And it just sort of turns the whole thing, the whole um, preconceived ideas we might have about this sort of young, fit, healthy yogi on its head. And it's like, well, this is how a real person um, has, has found the experience of practicing and delving deeper into their sort of inner world. So I love the episode with my mum, and obviously I love her. She's very funny, so that's a good one. Um, yeah, we've got some good ones with our teachers. Mimi Kyodima is super wise. She's just the embodiment to me of yogic wisdom, and it's a, and she's very funny. And I always think that the best yogis and yeah, the ones who I want to work with. Are, uh, always the funniest because it's it's able you're able to sort of see how life is on the one hand incredibly heavy and difficult and serious and on the other hand it's very light and we all have to have a light touch and be able to let go at the drop of a hat so um I think Mimi's wisdom and Adam Hoke he's an incredibly wise yoga teacher as well um he also has a very interesting podcast on um yoga philosophy I think it's I love the yoga philosophy ones our videos one yeah on how yoga comes off the mat I like yoga off the mat and how we can really integrate yoga into our life. I like those ones. Yeah, that sounds like something really good to listen to if you want to deepen your practice as well. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to find out what on earth yoga is all about, like, you know, if you're just going to yoga, we've just found out about yoga. What is it? What on earth do shapes have to do with philosophy? Because um, that was something that I always wondered about, like, what is like what why isn't this just a workout what's the difference so yeah i think it's a really nice thing to be able to gently explore and also with a sense of fun as well like it's not serious <laughs> yeah it sounds like a good one to listen to thank definitely you. have to to put that on my list thank you i've got many podcasts to listen to but that will that will be added to the oh, queue thank you <laughs> <laughs> so where can people follow can people follow you personally online People can find us on movementformodernlife.com. They can follow us on Instagram, which is at Movement for Modern Life, and the same on Facebook. You can also follow me. Um, I'm at Kat Farrance. If um, I occasionally have some words of wisdom and humor, and there's a lot of life about stuff about living with dogs. If you're into um, the yoga of dog care, that's. <laughs> Something I mean, who who doesn't love to hear about dogs? Who doesn't love to hear about (laughs) yoga and dogs? And for me, they're very, very similar. I learn all my best yoga from dogs. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Right. Well, I think that's a really lovely place to leave it. Thank you so much for being our guest. Oh, it's such a pleasure. It's really lovely to chat with you, Sarah. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And don't forget, if you've got any thoughts or comments that you'd like to share with us, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search for Calm Moment.